How's everybody doing today? Glad to be in church. Thank you for joining us online. If you are online with us today, I just want to follow up exactly with what Julianne said uh, with our marriage event that's coming up this Wednesday. Now, tomorrow, married couples, engaged couples, you can go back to the movies for more than $20. But on Wednesday, you can be in the building here and invest into your marriage, the most important relationship that you have on the earth. So what I would say for all the married couples in the room, engaged couples, please come this Wednesday. It's going to be a great event. If you're watching online and you are an online person only with your spouse, we do have an online option, but I would say come to the building. There's lots of space in the building for marriage couples to sit together and be alone and be separate from everyone else. Uh, It's just going to be a great time. And we just know when we get to be in the room, we get to fellowship with other people. It's going to be a blessing to us. So you can sign up for that today at the info booth after service, or you can sign up um, online this afternoon. And what I would say is don't wait. And the reason I ask you not to wait is because there's some practical reasons. We just want to know how many people are coming because there's going to be food in the lobby and different stuff like that. The doors are going to open at 6.30. There's going to be some stuff in the lobby. And then the event with John and Helen here in the room will start at 7 p.m. All right, married couples. Thank you. Listen, the reality is it's it's been stressful for marriages the last couple years because you're together more than you're used to. Right? It's just the reality. And honestly, it's created a lot of stress in relationships. So invest into your marriage. We're providing this for you. Uh, don't ask me for marriage counseling next week, all right? We have a marriage event this Wednesday to invest into your marriage, all right? Um, Does anybody know what's happening in our nation's capital? Okay, I feel like maybe maybe you're taking a break from media. It's kind of a good idea. I'm almost off social media right now completely. It's probably a good idea. Um, you know, a lot of times when we have something big happening in our nation, people would ask me, Pastor Brian, what do you think about this? Do you want to know what I think about this? Pastor Brian, what is your opinion on this? It doesn't matter, actually. We, we'll spend the afternoon yelling at the TV one way or the other, watching what's happening in our nation's capital. But what, what the unique, uniqueness that Christians can provide in this moment is not another opinion. It is that we can pray. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that Christians should not be involved politically. You should all vote. What a blessing it is to be able to vote and be involved politically. I think there should be more wise Christians involved in politics. And the reason I said wise, <laughs> I didn't just say Christians. I said wise Christians. We just need to vote for Christians. Well, did they take poli-sci? Do they know how to run into comedy? Yeah, but they're a believer. I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't... Being a Christian is a state of grace. Being a good politician is a state of mind. You need to know how to navigate a bunch of things and be a good leader and go on TV and not sound like an idiot. But I'm a believer in Christ. I may or may not vote for you. So we need Christians to be involved. But again, the uniqueness of this moment is not just another opinion that we can provide, which I have many. I have a lot. We could talk for five hours. But the uniqueness that we can bring is that we can pray. Can I get an amen? Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
verse one says, first of all, then I urge you that supplication, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and dignified in every way. That is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our savior, who desires that all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The heart of the believer is that we should be thankful that we live in a free country, that we can actually proclaim the gospel, that this is God's ultimate will for all mankind to be in a relationship with himself. This is our first desire, not our political explanations. Our first desire as believers is that we should want peace in our nation so that the gospel can be preached. Can I get an amen? And I, I gave you a preamble. I'm, by all that, I'm not saying Christians shouldn't be involved politically. I'm, I believe that you should. Be wise, be smart, but we can pray, so let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for our nation. And we just pray, Lord, in this moment of turmoil, we pray for our leaders. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for them, grace upon them, from the national level to the provincial level to the municipal level. We just thank you, Lord, for them. We pray for them, Lord. God, that you can speak to hearts in the night, that you can influence people, that you can influence leaders. And so we pray, Lord, for your wisdom for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, we are in week three of our Digging Deep series or our Digging Deep journal. So I don't know if you have it with you this morning or if you brought it, or maybe you're just getting one for the first time if you're here at the building. But week three, which is starting tomorrow, says time to worship. So this week, our emphasis is just on worshiping God. We're gonna be preaching about that here in a moment. And just one practical thing, um, I just the instructions are to get alone and to create a playlist with three songs that connect your heart with God. Now, if you don't know what a playlist is, just find a teenager to help you and they will set you up with a playlist on your phone. There's free streaming services that can find any worship song that you want. Even the one from when you were a child that you went to youth camp and God spoke to your heart, you can find that song too. And whatever those songs are that really connect you with God, I'm not saying you have to pick a certain genre or one of the songs that we do, but the point is that we would worship God. And if you're like, I don't know how to create a playlist, but I have CDs, <laughs> find your favorite song on your CDs and go ahead and play three songs. And then, um, and then one other aspect I just wanna mention, one of the good things about good worship songs and all worship songs are not created equal, um, but, what, we do, what a good worship song does is it will remind us of something about God, the character and nature of God, something that we magnify. So I'm not putting worship songs on, on level, on par with the scripture. I'm just saying that that's what they will do. And so it will remind us of that um, for some certain things to write down. All right, so let's do that this week. All right, we finished up last week. We were talking about the scripture and we saw how Jesus... Um, interpreted or showed us how to read the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They asked him what the greatest law was. 
And Jesus said that we would love God with all of our heart or soul or mind or strength, that he turned all of what he saw that could just be thought of as precepts and laws, because that's what the Old Testament is referred to, and many times as the law, that he took all of that and he made it relational. He said, look at all of that. What's the greatest thing? That we would love God, that we would be in a love relationship with God, that our hearts would be turned toward God. Because what we can do with this scripture, and I'm not saying we should, but what we can do from the scripture is just to pull out ideas, pull out precepts, pull out uh, principles. There's a bunch of principles that people can put to practice to have a really good business. They're all found in the book of Proverbs. There's a great, there's a great ton of business advice found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. And you could put all of those to work in your business and you could find success. But just because you put all of those principles to work, which we should, doesn't actually mean you're having a love relationship with God because those things God has spoken, they are. This is how the world works. So we can operate in God's principles while not operating in a relationship with him. And this is where worship, this idea of worship comes in. So important. We want to know the word of God, but we just don't want to operate in the ways of God, the thoughts of God, his principles without actually knowing him. It's kind of like this, parents, you know, um, I know that my kids love me. They're down in the States, but they don't, when, when they text me for stuff, money, they don't always say, hey, dad, I love you. Can you send me some money? It's kind of like, hey, we need some money. And in that moment, you could be like, I know that they love me, but at this moment, they just want my stuff. They don't actually care about me. They just want my things. Now, God is definitely not as shallow (laughs) as me, but this could be our attitude with God. We could be like, God, I I want your ways. I want your success principles from the scriptures, but I don't actually want to know you. I don't want to spend time with you. And this is where worship comes in. It's such an important thing. And the reality is every human worships. We are built to worship. This is just a part of the experience of being human. The question is, are we worshiping God? Because we all have someone, something that we're giving our attention to, our honor to. The scripture talks about that we make a mistake when we worship the created things as opposed to worshiping the creator, that the order of our lives should be worshiping the creator God, that he is the giver of life, that he is the giver of all good things. Worship in and of itself just means attributing honor, reverence, worth, respect, admiration, devotion, that we would give our devotion to God. That's why Jesus said, Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. This worship piece is so important for our lives because again, it's so easy to get our affections disordered. Our our heart could just go to a bunch of different things. Our, Our affection, our devotion can be given to everything, to people, to ideas, to situations but we forget to give it to God. And like I said, everybody, everybody worships all the time. And you know, sometimes we relegate um, the idea of worship to music and there is a strong correlation to that. We're actually gonna sing another worship song at the end of the service. I can remember when I was about 12 or 13 years old, 
Um, there was a season where my parents would make my sister take me to stuff. She was about, she was almost three years older than me and uh, it was kind of a failed season of their parenting. <laughs> and they know this as well. Like my sister would have sleepovers with like 10 girls and like, you gotta have your brother. Now I didn't mind it. <laughs> Hanging out with the older girls, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that was fun, but then I was kind of ruining her moment. So the first concert I ever got to go to was with my sister. Now, again, 82, 83, don't remember the exact year, but we went to see Rick Springfield. Does anyone remember who Rick Springfield is? Jesse's girl. Yes. You can play it later. If you're younger, you know what I'm talking about. Rick Springfield was a big deal. He was on a soap opera, but he was also a pop singer. So we went down at the old exhibition place and it was like me and 15,000 other teenage girls. <laughs> so the concert was starting and, you know, so they started to play the first song and Rick Springfield makes his appearance in the center of the back of the stage. This is like the only moment that I remember the song because what happened in the concert, because I was, I was a small 12-year-old boy and everybody at this concert I felt like was taller than me. And what happened was as soon as the concert started, everybody stood on their chairs so that they could see what was happening on the stage. So I stood on my chair, but I still couldn't see. But I still just remember this moment. He had like a, a, a riser in the back and there's this big puff of smoke and Rick Springfield appeared at the back of the stage and he had really long hair at the moment. And some of the, whatever the material was in the puff of smoke stuck in his hair and he flung his hair and all of it flew and all the girls went crazy just with the hair flow. And I'm, in that moment, I'm like, I need to learn how to play the guitar. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, I'm not saying all concerts, they are necessarily worshiping the singer, but in that moment, all of the worship was going to Rick Springfield. And everybody has worship experiences. Again, we could be worshiping created things, but ultimately, our worship needs to go to God. Now, sometimes, again, we just make worship a song thing, but it's our lives should be lived in worship to God. Colossians chapter one says this, verse 16. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and everything that he might be preeminent. What does preeminent mean? That he is that highest place in our lives, showing us who Christ is, that he should have this preeminent place in our lives. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy music or things but it has to have its place in our lives below Christ. That Christ, that God gets my heart and my soul and, and my strength. It is the properly ordered affection in our lives. Because if we get it out of order, if we get love at the centerpiece, if we give that preeminent spot to something else, to someone else, it is disordered affection. We go back there, it says, created through him and for him. We are created for God. We were singing about that. 
To worship you, I live. That I and you were created for the purposes of God. And when we live our lives that way, we live our lives in obedience, that is worship. Thank God for the songs that we sing. That's so important. But living our lives for him because we are created for him, that is worship. We're giving honor. We're giving that preeminent place when we obey what he says. Romans chapter 12, verse one says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Present our bodies a living sacrifice. Referring to the old covenant, what were they doing as a sacrifice in the old covenant? They were sacrificing animals. In other words, their sacrifices were separate from themselves. They were an animal that you would present an animal and you would kill that animal and offer it to God. So New Testament worship has nothing to do with you killing animals. It has to do with you and I being a living sacrifice. Someone said, the trouble with the living sacrifice is that it always wants to crawl off the altar. <laughs> sacrifice. I'm giving it to God instead of giving myself to other things, that preeminent place. A living sacrifice. The life that I live, how I live in my relationships, how I live on the job, what I do in my friendships, what I do with my time and my resources, all of that is worship. When we talk about giving our tithes and offerings, what is that? That's worship to God. It's an honor. It's the, the first place. It's not some extra thing we're doing here at church. Man, we're just honoring God. We're worshiping God as we give. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the lives that we live, what we do, not just on Sunday, thank God for Sundays when we can gather and we can worship, but it's every day that we are living for God. We're, we're discerning what is the will of God. We are renewing our minds from the ways of the world to the ways of God, and then living that out, man, that's worship. It's that moment of connectivity to God. Such an important thing. Next thing is worship is a response to the activity of God. What should be our response to all that God gives us? It should be thank you. It should be grateful. It should be, I don't have any of this without you. I'm responding to what God has done for us, that Jesus came, that he, he sacrificed himself for us. We could remind ourselves of that every day. And what should we say? Thank you. God, I, I worship you. Are we grateful for the things that God has done for us? Luke 17, verse 11. Here's a story in the ministry of Jesus. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers 
who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now, why were these lepers at a distance? Because the people who had leprosy at this time had to live outside of the city. They had to wear certain clothes. They had to signify themselves as having leprosy. So they're yelling out to Jesus. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So this was a ritual of the Old Testament that had to do with healing. And they went and they were cleansed. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise except this foreigner? He said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The significance of him being a Samaritan is that he didn't have a covenant with God like the other Jewish Jewish people. So this person who wasn't trained religiously knew enough to come back to say thanks. And the people who did the traditions, what could happen there potentially? They would think possibly, I'm a good Jew. I keep all the rules. We do all the civil laws. I'm doing all the prayers. I'm doing all the stuff. Why would I go back and say thanks because I'm attributing the goodness of God in my life to how good I am? This is a problem. Everything that we have from God comes from grace. It comes as a gift. Us believers could potentially fall into the same trap. Well, I'm in the building on Sunday, God, or I'm watching online on Sunday, God. I'm doing these religious things. Therefore, then you should give it to me. And then you are thanking yourself. But here the Samaritan came back and Jesus was saying, where where are the other ones? Worship is a response for the things that God has given to us. And we just need to remind ourselves it's all by grace. The fact that we can breathe and live, the giver of life has given us life. Thank God. Thank you, God, for another day. Thank you, God, that I can breathe. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for this bed that I'm laying in. Thank you, God, for my house or for my apartment. Thank you, God, for this car. Thank you, God, for the bus. Whatever the case may be, be thankful. It's a response. Worship is a response for what God has given us. Worship is also a heart posture. Worship is a heart posture. John chapter four, verse seven says this. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. This Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So the Jews and Samaritans had racial issues with each other, didn't necessarily like each other. And this woman is bringing this up. We see this for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and you, and he would have given you living water. 
This woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with water and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? So she's talking about physical water. He's talking about spiritual water. Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. So here's a a religious argument about worship. People wanna make these arguments today about the type of songs that we sing, whether we should sing hymns or we should sing the new songs or we should do choruses or we should do whatever. And this, these are the traditions of worship. And it should be this or it should be that. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. But listen, verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is now here. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So what does Jesus take away from this moment? Here's the exterior forms of worship that these two different groups have. But what does Jesus bring it down to? Those that, that, the type of worshipers that the Father is seeking after are those that worship in spirit and in truth. So it's an, an interior thing that's happening as it relates to worship. It's a heart posture. Now, that doesn't mean that our exterior is not important because we should engage loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. That's why we clap. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we sing. These are all exterior things, but all of these exterior things help us to get the worship out of our heart. It's a both and and not an either or because you can't be like, I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping in my heart. You just don't know. But we could also be going to town on the outside and not be engaging our heart. It's not an either or. And listen, don't worry about judging other people in the worship service, all right? Don't waste your time. I'm not, are they, are they really worshiping? What are you doing? What are you doing 
judging the other people in the room if they're really worshiping. You're not worshiping. So don't worry about it, right? Are you here this morning? Yeah. What, what type of worshipers are the, is the Father seeking after? Spirit and in truth. So the ones we should be judging is ourselves. Am I engaging my heart with this moment? Is my affection on God in this moment? Or am I busy looking at somebody on the stage and what they're doing or what they might not be doing? Or someone in the room or what they might be doing? Our team is leading you in worship so that you will worship. So that we engage our heart. Because we could be thinking about stuff, right? Have you ever, all of us have done this, let's be honest in this moment. We could be thinking about, I didn't eat breakfast. I'm really hungry. <laughs> I'm trying to think about the closest Tim Hortons. I hope Pastor Brent doesn't preach too long. Get off the Ottawa, Pastor Brent. Get to your message, because I'm hungry. We could be thinking about a thousand things. In the time that's set aside for this family to worship what do we need to do? And we're the only, the only person that we can judge in this moment is ourselves. Spirit and truth. What does this mean? It just means genuine. From the heart. From my spirit. That I'm actually thinking about what aspects of God that we are singing about. I'm gauging my heart. See, I don't know at different times, and I think my wife, it's really easy for her to engage in worship just to focus her mind because like almost every Sunday when she's here to worship, she'll be here in second service today, it's just like she's crying. I'm like, I don't know that I'm doing that every Sunday. And I'm not saying that I'm gonna cry. I don't cry tons anyway, but it's just like she's really engaged. See, for me, a lot of times as I'm worshiping, I'm trying to engage in worship, but I got to preach. So I'm trying to engage in worship, but I know I got to preach. Don't judge me, okay? <laughs> you had to do this every Sunday. Anyway, a heart, it's genuine from the spirit, from the center of yourself, that your affection is going to God. true, that it's true, that it's honest, that your inward and your outward are aligning because you should sing. You should, not everybody should record, but everybody should sing. You should clap on beat. <laughs> and if you can't, just try the sway, you know, just do the sway. Should raise our hands. Why would we raise our hands? It's not, not a legalism. The scripture tells us to do that. What is, what is the purpose of raising our hands? It, it's a surrender thing. It's, I, God, I'm worshiping you. Yes. And again, we do, we're not doing this out of legalism. It's just, 
God, I'm surrendering to you. I magnify you. I worship you. And if you don't raise your hands, we're not mad at you. That's not the point of what I'm saying. But we're aligning our existence, all of ourselves, and we're worshiping God. Last thing, a song of worship. Psalm 96 verse four says this, and we think about the Psalms, you know, we read them, but most likely a lot of these Psalms that we were, that we were reading, there could be poetry, but they could have actually been songs. Now they don't make sense to us because they don't rhyme because they were written in Hebrew and they're translated to English, so they might not rhyme. But there is actually something special that happens with music and worship did a series about this a couple years ago, that music connects with you in ways that you can't actually understand. It just, it gets you at your core. Music is a big deal in the world. Why is it a big deal? That it just, it, it, like I said, there's like a, there's a rhythm, there's a something happening and then there's a melody that comes in and then there's a harmony and there's all of these things that's this, mathematical artistry that's connecting with us at our core. And then what do we do with that? We worship God. So that's why we, we just don't get up here and recite lyrics. We bring in music. Psalm 96, and Rebecca's gonna play some music here in just a second. Psalm 96 verse four says, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. All the created things that we worship, they're worthless. We need to worship the creator. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. There's a bunch in there about who God is. And it's a psalm, it's a song. So what we would do, we would take all of that all of our time with God that we're gonna do this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, time worshiping God and we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship privately on our own, in our car. And we're just gonna give our heart to God. It is the properly ordered affection in our lives. Psalm 145 says this, I will exalt you, my God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. What am I gonna do when I'm worshiping? I'm gonna meditate on the wonderful works of God. 
They tell of the power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. All your works praise you, O Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all the people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. The eyes of all of you look to give them your food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. See, when we worship, we remind ourselves of who he is. And I'm not just doing stuff for God. I'm living my life with God. See, and ultimately when we sing and we worship, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of me to think and talk about God? Is that I'm reminding myself that God is present everywhere all of the time, but in this moment, I'm gonna sacrifice. The scripture talks about a sacrifice of praise. I'm gonna sacrifice my energy, my affection, my heart, and I'm gonna worship God and I am reminding myself that he is present. See, the best part of this life is not just the stuff that we get from God, it is actually the giver of all good things. Because in his presence, the scripture says, there's fullness of joy. In his presence is healing. In his presence is forgiveness. In his presence is mercy. In his presence is love all of the character and nature of God is in his presence and that is why we worship. Let's just pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord Jesus told us to love you the most and so we just remind ourselves that you are preeminent in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we give you the highest praise today. We worship you and magnify you. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for who you are to us, that you are with us all of the time, that we are living our lives to worship you. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.